chick flicks, date movies, women's pictures. The romantic comedy genre has a lot of not-so-great nicknames and gets a lot of flack for being fluffy, insignificant, easily dismissed, and not as worthy of serious attention as action movies or superhero movies. And that's not fair. These movies meant a lot to women like me. They showed me that women had just as much star power as their male counterparts, even if their salaries weren't as high. And for better or for worse, arguably worse, these movies taught me about love and relationships. But these movies have a much deeper cultural significance and can tell us so much about how we view women, the trajectory of feminism, and even the history of film development. So today, Lucy Rivers is back to discuss the evolution of the rom-com from the golden age in the mid-90s to the decline of the genre in the late aughties by highlighting three romantic comedies starring Sandra Bullock, While You Were Sleeping, Two Weeks Notice, and The Proposal. And this is the Spinster Life Podcast, the podcast that would never ditch its quirky best friend for a guy. Thank you so much for being here again, Lucy. I'm so glad to have you back to discuss romantic comedies. Some of these movies broke my brain as a child. Let's discuss why that is. Yes, let us. Yes, I'm so pleased to be back. This is going to be super fun. I've really been looking forward to this. Two out of these three, I feel almost like I grew up with in a sense. They were real favorites. So let's tear them all apart. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> let's criticize them kindly. Yes. Let's let's look at them objectively and objectively. From, from a historical standpoint. Indeed. While you were sleeping is it's 30 years old almost. Oh my gosh. Don't don't say that. <laughs> that's, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Should we list the three like and uh, yeah. like, uh, the three that we do? Okay, yeah, let's so, yeah. let's recap we'll list them again. We have okay. While You Were Sleeping 1995 and then 2 Weeks Notice 2002. Mm, and then you have The Proposal 2009. If you've seen any of these, you'll know these are all Sandra Bullock films. And we decided that that was a really good way of tracking the romantic comedy trajectory across these sort of 60 odd years. I think she's a good one to track with because she really has been around for that long. She like started in the Meg Ryan era of rom-coms. And then, I mean, she's still doing rom-coms today. So just Mm -hmm. going through, but we're going to end our trajectory at 2008, where I really think the genre started to, to decline. Yes, I'd say that there's been quite significant hiccup there with the progression. So it, it makes sense to bookend it there. Also, she's pretty cool. And also, interestingly, it's worth noting, she's not just starring in these. Two out of the three of these, she produced as well. I'm going camera. to guess the second, they're the, the most recent yes. two of those, since she it has like correct. star power and clout to be able to say, yeah. I want to make this movie. And I, I get it yes. with, the, with being in, in a movie with Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he was yes, also- apparently apparently uh, apparently she camped outside practically to, <laughs> to to get him to read the script and stuff. She was so desperate for it to be him specifically. So, They're yeah. both like rom com royalty, so it only makes oh, sense yeah. that they would be oh, in a movie yeah. at some point. The only thing that would make even more sense, maybe, arguably, would be what like Hugh Grant and Meg Ryan, maybe, maybe. Yes, but you know that she have to play his mom even though they're probably like around the same age just because of you know the way hollywood calculates women's ages oh yes (laughs) that's that's a sad one it is really really sad why don't we also give a little history Mm -hmm. of 
the rom-com as we know it some of the origins of the genre mm -hmm. some of the things that we can point to i'd like to start with sure. jane austen Ooh, and the yes. marriage plot i think these you movies know, draw yeah. very heavily from that you're gonna go roots with it mm. then it all goes back to shakespeare because for shakespeare comedy is ended with a marriage very so, yes very true very true so they ended with a marriage so basically all comedies were romantic comedies in the Shakespeare period, pretty much. Pretty yeah. Much. Which I guess that's uh, a way to so easily Tudor, Tudor signal, England, like, yeah. people aren't going to die in this movie, yeah. so they're going to get married. It's yeah. like the opposite uh, they of I, They either die. Yeah, they either die at the end or they get married in the end, and that's literally the difference. But then, of course, you get things like Jane Austen, you get to these, like, much more female perspective told story and that is really the kind of stuff that grows into eventually melodrama and women's films when you come into a period of films so that's early in the century and 40s huge for like big melodrama films and what's called the women's film there's a lot of derogatory stuff that goes around to do with the women's film truly we could do a whole thing just on this alone there's a lot Absolutely. of interesting stuff like the trajectory of that and winding up with stuff like Mamma Mia and how Mamma Mia get, got the exact same kind of derogatory hate, despite the fact that it was like a major blockbuster in a way that like was so major as well. So Right, as an IP, like how huge is Mamma Mia? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's really, really big. There's this kind of idea of things that are for women and about women, etc., having low cultural value and low status. Right. Romantic so, novels, yeah. romantic comedies, soap opera. Exactly. All these things that are made culturally with women in mind. Soap opera was a really good call out there, actually. There's so much about how painfully like low culture soap opera is considered because it's mostly for the consumption of women because of when it was first launched and etc right in the daytime blah 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 right and it so, was for women who were at home like yeah, oh let's entertain the women ladies and sell them soap <laughs> that's why they're soap yes. operas because they would put commercials yes. for things that for women soap. would want to buy women yes. love nothing more than treating themselves to a new flora cleaner oh my god i i mean <laughs> i'm i'm i can't wait until i get my next one really um <laughs> so it's a little bit hard to sort of for sure pinpoint when rom-com became big i see a lot of things that just cite when harry met sally i think that's probably a little bit too reductionist I, I don't think it's quite that straightforward but it is probably the first one that people think of so that's right at the end of the 80s and yeah it makes it's a huge thing and it becomes quite obvious that this is a money maker and that this is something that's going to have some value so then you get real classics that come out things like sleep since Seattle, so meg ryan and tom hack you've got mail the other she was things. she was in i think it's called <laughs> iq where she was like albert einstein's niece she was in a lot of these really yeah, she was in that one addicted yeah. to love is one with her and uh, matthew broderick but there are so many others ones that don't actually involve meg ryan and then you know you're like you've julia roberts says you have you know these kind of oh yes leading pretty women. woman pretty woman a huge one notting hill huge one so 90s really became the the little powerhouse for rom-coms so i thought it was only fitting that we started in this period with while you were sleeping Yes, while Sandra Bullock is sort of establishing her career. Yes. She'd done yes, Speed already, early. which was huge. Mm. Really, was Speed first? I, didn't I think Speed, speed was well, first. Well, let's, yeah, let's look that up. 94. 
Oh, 94. Okay, so While You Were Sleeping is about the main character who's called Lucy. She's maybe called it's a Lucy. reason I liked it. <laughs> maybe it's a reason I liked it. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Maybe that's why I suggested it. Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and Lucy is lonely. She is still grieving the loss of her father who passed away just a year before. She's working as a ticket operator on the uh, Chicago train network. And her mom has been dead for a while. Oh, yeah. So for, oh, since she was like tiny, she doesn't even remember her yeah. mom. So like her father was everything and she's lost him. Every day she fantasizes about this one guy who is called Peter, who she sees getting the train. And she never speaks to him. Like she's never spoken to this person. She draws the short straw to work on Christmas Day purely because she is the only employee without family, which is super sad. And on this day, the subject of her fantasies appears at the station, but he gets mugged and pushed onto the train tracks. And being the only person present to help, she jumps down and she physically pulls him off the tracks, like just before a train comes through. Peter is in a coma and through some kind of mix-up at the hospital. A wacky mix-up at the hospital. (laughs) A wacky mix-up at the hospital. (laughs) While she's trying to get updates about him, staff believe that she's his fiance. When Peter's family find out, they're all surprised, but they embrace her instantly. They invite her to all the family gatherings and she kind of can't feel that she can say no. During this deceit, she falls in love with Peter's brother, Jack, who is played by Bill Pullman of Independence Day fame. That's pretty much everything. I think that happens. <laughs> what did you think? So this movie is so sweet. And I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, that's uh, good. I'm yeah, like it. yeah, I did. I really did. I don't know why I had never seen it before, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that I watched it now from a storytelling perspective. Yeah. I think this, out of all the movies we watched, made the most mm-hmm. sense. Right. It was the most believable. Yes. It would like I, I believe. I think it is. I I believe that that <laughs> which yes. is crazy because it sounds <laughs> the most unbelievable when you read yes. out the plot. It like it, sounds crazy. It does, but the way that they stage it. I mean, and spoiler mm-hmm. alerts. By the way, just spoiler alerts. There's going to be spoilers. Of course, it's as a thirty year old movie. If you haven't seen it by now, the way they set <laughs> it up, the wacky misunderstanding. So you have this family that's grieving, and they don't know whether their son is going to live or die, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. If they're like, oh, this is his fiance. They're trying to hold on to their son. So I believe yeah. that they would yes. just embrace her immediately. She's all, she's real sweet. She's like she's she's just very sweet so, so looking, nice. and she mm-hmm. she did actually save his life. Yes, so which he, also certainly helps when yes. they find that out as well. Yeah. Yes, and so, then mm-hmm. when she falls in love with the brother, that's very believable as well because they're yeah. actually spending time together. And it's a really heavily emotional time in so many ways as well. So there, it is slightly unusual interaction, I guess you could say as well. Like it is unusually intense, perhaps in certain ways you could argue. So yeah. that kind of makes sense as well. Also, they're just like, they're ridiculously like so perfect for each other. It's so adorable. Like it really is so cute, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, no, they're, <laughs> real, really they're cute. real cute. Yeah, they're super they're cute. They're really cute. In they are the so Bill adorable. Pullman character being jealous mm. that like her oh, creepy neighbor comes in and like fawns her shoes yeah. and stuff I, yeah. even his jealousy is it's like it's kind of cute yeah it's, it's kind yeah it's it not is. scary it's no it's, it's not scary it's you sort of you know like even with his brother because he's like he's insanely jealous to realize that his brother has managed to to get lucy and he wishes that he had her himself as his girlfriend etc and and so he's jealous of his comatose brother and yet he's like so (laughs) sweet about it and sort of it's all right i've always just been proud of you and never been jealous i've never 
it felt petty or anything. <laughs> Until now, I do feel I do feel jealous now. You know, it's like, yeah. but it is. It's just so sweet. I think it helps that Sandra Bullock is incredible in this role, managing to be like funny but also and tender and vulnerable, like super vulnerable, but earnest and caring and yes. thoughtful and funny. And all stands at once. up to her for herself as well. Yes, when her boss does, tells yeah. her she's working on Christmas, she's like, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do it. Yeah. Don't make me do mm-hmm. it. I like the way that she stands up to Jack, actually, when there's been the misunderstandings and stuff. He is such a well-rounded character as well, but they both are. And I think that's what makes them makes it really good. It is really nuanced, I think, just their performances throughout. I think that's what makes it really stand out. And as, as well as the circumstances, the circumstances of her life, these are the things that make the plot as crazy as it is make sense. Right. Because she is in grief. She had a sole parent that's all she knew. Suddenly she has an entire family around her. Right. And at the end, when she's confessing and stuff, when things like fall apart inevitably and she confesses, she's sort of confessing to the family, not to Peter. Yeah. She confesses to the family. And, and even and Peter like, doesn't really take the apology. No, he's uh, yeah. He's kind of do- like he's kind of doing his own thing. Yeah, he's he's yeah. not a he's Wait, not a yeah. bad character, but he's also not no. a good character. He's not a good guy, really. But he's not he's yeah. not a bad guy. He's just he's just a very selfish guy, I think. But yeah, it's it's that's what makes it so good, like on all the levels. So it's also set at Christmas, which heightens oh, this whole intensity of course. Of, of, course. of the emotion between between the family and Lucy. This is her first Christmas alone. I will say, so we have some of the single lady stereotypes. Yes, we do. It falls into various tropes, I'd say, of spinsterhood. Just the general concept of unattached women suffering from loneliness, and she has a cat. Yeah, Yeah. and she she acts like one would with their cat. She has conversations with the cat. (laughs) She 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 dips her Oreos in the cat's milk (laughs) in the cat's bowl. Yes, yes, yeah. The cat hadn't drank from it or anything, but yeah. No, but you know, at some point the cat had taken a drink from that. She also has a sad single lady meal, like a microwave dinner That's true, yes, yes, she does. No, she almost has it. That's what makes her decide to actually go to the family. But again, that just is in service of the plot. That's just underlining to you why she might make the crazy move to actually take them up on this offer and put herself in that situation. It's so well-crafted to actually support all of these decisions that she makes. And I will also say Lucy is, quote-unquote, so alone. But you can see that she has developed these support systems around herself. She has a really good friend. Yeah, she has. And she's got, but she just tends to go to her boss for like moral guidance. Which yeah. is a little bit weird. I suspect he's just like a father substitute, I guess. Yeah. That's my feeling anyway. Yeah. She also had actually, we don't see a lot of this relationship, but with the like manager of the building, we see more with the building manager's really creepy oh, yes. son yes but in that's the true, first but there's scene definitely yeah. yeah that's true yeah yeah so she does yeah, you know, have she's not, these people she's not totally a- yeah. alone in the world but you no. also do get a, a little detail that she tells us that she mm. had basically uprooted her whole life to yes. to chicago for her dad so he could get yes. medical treatment which which we don't know exactly how long that's been, but at the most, what, like probably three or four years or something like that, like not a huge yeah. amount of time to put down roots. So again, makes sense, completely con- congruent. It's really solid. I will say one thing though, which is that this was actually originally scripted with the genders the other way around. 
Hmm. So that would have been much more creepy for a guy to be pretending to be affianced to a woman in a coma was what the studio believed. And so it was reworked. And I believe it is much better this way around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is very interesting. I am having a hard time picturing that. Yeah. There is something like a lot like a fairy tale. You know, there's like a woman mm. in a coma in, yes, and, it would you know, tr- be, it would true be, love can yeah. wake her up, but it's, but it's, yeah. yeah. I just like it better the way that it is. I yeah. Think. Because I think it makes, I think it makes more sense just because being, I don't know, just being a woman, I, I do feel that she was that bit more sensitive to the feelings of the family and her concern was like so high for the grandmother who like had serious health concerns shock might have killed her and all these kinds of stuff it makes sense how she feels so like so trapped and also she makes really concerted efforts to try and get the truth out through their friend who she thinks that it'll be better coming from him he's the one who like just screws up and keeps avoiding it and goes um i'll handle it no i'll just i'll just hide in the toilet you know it's just right but yeah i'd say that basically this comes out in terms of feminism this would be I believe this would be third wave feminism. So a quick few notes on feminism. Feminism comes in waves. First wave is suffragettes. So early 1900s, this is seeking basic human rights for women, such as votes. Second wave is sort of 50s and 60s. This is marked by political and social activism. It was an attempt to gain equality, to have greater powers of autonomy over the body, like birth control, abortion rights, etc., Third wave is where it gets a little bit more nebulous. Arguably, you might say it kicks in around sort of 80s and 90s, I guess. But where it begins and ends exactly, I find really hard to define personally. There's lots of different opinions on it. The period saw kind of some backlash in the sense that girls were raised with the gains of second wave feminism. And they had a lot more privilege and freedom as a result. But they were growing up in a more conservative America which meant that they did not necessarily keep fighting for it in the same way that had come before. One interesting quote that I actually read talked about the pleasure involved in young women reclaiming the right not only to the term girl, but also to girly pleasures, like trivialized things like shopping and dressing up. And according to, I think it was Susan Douglas, popular culture directed at girls, like from girl bands of the 50s to the Spice Girls and of the 90s, provided them with this kind of way to negotiate the contradictions of patriarchal culture, uh, flaunt the traits that were actually demeaned by both feminist and misogynists alike. So prettiness, brattiness, sexual flamboyance, these kinds of things, they somehow retained the critique of beauty culture, sexual abuse from the second wave. They like still believe that those things were really bad, but they complicate the area of the male gaze by instead exploiting the spotlight and using it as power and energy for themselves, you know, girl power, etc. In terms of rom-coms, I think that this plays out in quite a few interesting ways with contradictory bits of, you know, agency for characters and career success, for instance, but also reliance on and still a pursuit of heteronormative happiness. I think this ultimately is what leads to the big problems where we get into the fourth wave, which arguably is what we would say exists now, probably from early thousands to now. But again, exact dates, hard to judge, very hard to judge. But the fourth wave is kind of marked by new focus on identity politics, sexuality, race, disability, mass communication, technology, and the intersectionality of all these things together and how they operate within our lives. 
So I would argue personally that actually intertextuality, the kind of self-referential satire that's become so prevalent in popular culture also plays a part in this because it's that kind of nudge, nudge in the no humour that bears in mind that the audience knows the tropes already. And so it's trying to negotiate those things. Any media is trying to negotiate those as well. But I think this is where it falls down. It's because there's this contradiction between what a rom-com originally set out to, you know, have as the end goal, basically, you know, like Shakespeare, marriage, that's it. And now these other ideas, agency, career success, you know, all these other types of of things. So that's kind of like a brief overview (laughs) where it fits. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. And I think with Lucy, like she has, Mm -hmm. sure, she has a job and she supports herself, but it's not a career. Mm -hmm. It's not something that she's passionate about. There there was like a a line that she said that she'd have to drop out of school to take care of her dad. Yes. She had opportunities that she couldn't realize. Right. We never knew what they were. And yet we get to see her just having this crush. She has this boring <laughs> job, this very tedious, yeah. boring job, and she gets to uh, alleviate some of that with having this yeah. crush yeah. on Peter, who walks in looking good yeah. every day. <laughs> and, uh, and again, like on one hand, it almost falls into tropes of making her seem a bit lovesick and pathetic and desperate and that kind of idea. But I actually think in some ways it's a little bit liberating because it's such an agency over her own fantasy life, really. Yeah. And... I think that's kind of nice in a way. You know, I don't think you'd have seen that a decade before, really, or at least you wouldn't have seen it and it not be just a joke. Whereas right. it's not a joke, it's not really painted as a joke. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. And they don't really play with status that much. The wealth gap has gotten wider since then. And mm-hmm. Peter was like a wealthy businessman type. We never knew, really knew what he did, but he had yeah. the uppie apartment in a high rise building. Yeah. But no one ever says, oh, you're just a ticket taker? Oh, well, no. Yeah, no, there isn't any of that. It's true. But one thing I would say that is interesting is that it is alluded to when Jack thinks she's pregnant and she says, so the only reason that he would be with someone like me is because I was pregnant. And I think that is about the status and stuff. You know, I think that is about the fact that she is just, you know, she has just got a ticket operating job. Even though she's, she has this crush, she isn't looking for him to rescue her or anything like that. Oh no, yeah. This is, she's just, it's just a hot guy and (laughs) she's like, yeah, but what if I like, but what if I talk to him? What would that be like? Mm, It's more like, what what would it be like instead of I have to have him? She doesn't have any designs to, to corner him or talk to him or anything. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, she's just like she wishes that she had the guts to just talk to him and stuff. I don't think she even knows what would happen if she did. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice. And yeah, I'm just really glad. To be honest, I'm just really glad that you liked it because I do think that it is <laughs> a really interesting one. I just I've li- I've liked it for so long. I remember watching it when I was so stupidly young. <laughs> it's really cute. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it it doesn't send any weird messages. No. No, I don't think so. I think it's a, I think it's an interesting one. Yeah. It's interesting to start with the one that's there because again, it is the height of rom com, arguably anyway. Lots of people right. think that it's around that. Right. Yeah, those and yeah. you just see this thing of the genre, which in the next film I think starting to fade is that sweetness that a movie can be sweet mm. and i think that has a lot to do with that like meta ness and that intertextuality mm. that you've been talking about What's is that 
uh, this little earnest movie can just exist. Mm-hmm. Like if an, a, an earnest little movie is released now, I feel like it would be immediately dismissed. I think the problem with an earnest film now is that it wouldn't jive with the post postmodernism. If you made that fresh now, that would just be considered corny. It would be yeah. seen as not having depth. Someone um, would be dismissive of it like it's a Hallmark movie or something like that, which does yeah. go back to that dismissing things that women does. tend to like. Yeah, which is interesting. So, two weeks notice. Mm, two weeks notice. Two weeks notice, also starring Sandra Bullock is also another Lucy in this yes. film. Yeah. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. <laughs> so this came out in 2002. So if you think about things that have come out, so Bridget Jones has come out, Notting Hill has come out. You've got mail. This teen sex romp, American Pie. Yes, that has happened. I do think that has some relevance when we get to the proposal. But <laughs> I think it's got, think it's got a little relevance in this movie as well. Okay, yeah, maybe a teeny bit. A I, teeny maybe bit. I can see what you're. I maybe I can see what you're referencing, but I'd still argue it's different. But I think I know what you're <laughs> referencing. But yeah, yeah. So this is another Lucy. She is an exceptionally skilled, multilingual Harvard graduated lawyer and activist, passionate about preserving historic buildings, protecting communities, and providing legal aid. Conversely, Hugh Grant plays George, who is a man from an extremely wealthy real estate dynasty, (laughs) who, while he is witty, effortlessly charming, finds himself a little bit directionless, I would say. It's almost like he believes that he can't do that much good in the world. He feels a little bit stuck by almost the lack of expectations on him. And in order to save a much-loved historic community centre, Lucy takes up a position working as George's personal attorney. After a significant period working with him, I think I tried to count it when I watched it this time. I believe it is something in the region of a year and a half to I two think years. So. I think so. Yeah. so that he, that, he work, that she works directly with him. After that time, she knows him extremely well, obviously, but she decides that she cannot take this demanding time-consuming job anymore and she gives him notice i actually really like the way this is set up with this just montage of all this period six months later two months after that three months after that just these little snippets and these insights into what it's like being his attorney and like advisor almost but before the end of those two weeks are up obviously their close relationship has turned into full-blown love and that is essentially the plot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'd say that's a pretty good summation of it. I did not like this movie that much. Structurally, I had problems with it. And part of that is because of the title and the whole conceit of the film is that mm-hmm. is what happens after someone gives their two weeks notice. So they have to mm. shove all, all the character development of both the leads into the first half. They have to shove in the development of their relationship, which they do through that montage. I think he she has to help him buy a mattress, which is, you know, like <laughs> it's like a little like, oh, oh, are they in bed together? But you know, you pull out and they're just at a yeah. mattress store and she's like, mm, this is too firm. You don't want this one. Or <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I think it's interesting because she does a lot more than just an attorney would do. That's one of the things that I do find interesting about it. There are lots of things I like about this film. Obviously, I I love Lucy's passion and intelligence and stuff. It's amazing. I think she's an extremely strong, well-drawn character. But I also really quite love 
George's unabashed reliance on her. Even one point he says that he's addicted to knowing what she thinks. He yeah. has her opinion on everything. And it's really, it's weirdly sweet in a way. <laughs> it's kind of, it makes him seem sort of helpless in a way. But yeah, but, but he's not helpless. It's just that he he reveres her opinion so much that he really needs to know what she thinks. I think that's yeah. kind of sweet. She's so committed to her job that she, at one point she ducks out of her best friend's wedding yes. where she is a bridesmaid to help him just yeah. like pick out an outfit. Well, she, to be fair, she doesn't know that's what it is. And he no. didn't know that she was in a wedding. No. But yes, I think this is where it does fall into some tropes. There are a few things I don't like about the film myself. One of those is that she falls into the cliche of the career woman who has it all together at work, but her personal life is a mess, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. She has, a long, she has a long distance boyfriend that you literally never see in the no. film. And... No, there might be one photograph <laughs> that is sort of yes. in the background and There's tilted away from the camera. So you There's a photo can't... and like two phone, that like one phone conversation and one phone message right. from him. That's like it. And then eventually that they break up and stuff. But again, it's long distance. You've never yeah. seen this guy. So the second thing that I maybe don't like so much is that once she does feel that she's getting some feelings for George and feeling a little bit of something more, she falls into quite a catty rivalry with another woman. They do set up that he doesn't have the best taste in women. I think that's interesting because, again, maybe he recognizes that in himself that he's not the best at making choices maybe that's why he's so reliant on her for the choices i think it's interesting i do think that it does speak to a lot of that kind of opposites tract or opposite qualities making for a really good person overall I, i don't know it's just there's a lot of there's a lot of really sweet things in terms of not just how well they know each other as a base, because bearing in mind that so many rom-coms have people who meet and fall in love in like a week or five days or something. I think this is a step away from that and it is a nice departure and you do see some really lovely stuff. Like they're just at a lunch and there's literally nothing to do with the food that they're talking about. They're talking about other things, but they automatically swap stuff in on their plates and in their drinks and stuff because... Yeah. They know each other like that. And I think that's just really good filmmaking because that's telling you so much with showing and not telling. I Um, I absolutely agree. That was one of my more favorite parts. And I will say of all of the relationships of the three movies that we watched, I think this is one of of the healthiest, minus Lucy's jealousy, just because of little things like that, because they do Mm. seem to work so seamlessly together there's a scene that we'll we'll talk about later that just like shows (laughs) that they love each other but let's start at the um at the beginning of the movie and some of the single lady tropes that we see yes oh yes Um, yes yes, well i think let's let's do this isn't a single lady trope but i think they establish her character through use of Mm -hmm. costuming she is like a hippie yes they do give her very liberal clothes to be fair it's also very early thousands <laughs> right like yeah super no. early thousands as we well we were all but, dressing like that yeah but there is something there isn't there there is something a little bit colorful a little bit oh, i can't even remember what she wears when she's on i can't remember what she wears when she's first on the she has a crochet headband 
And she wears that several oh. at several points throughout the movie when she's at her normal job or when she's mm-hmm. activist Lucy. Yeah. And then at the end, after she's given her two weeks notice and she's mm-hmm. quit and she's giving like a goodbye speech, she's wearing the headband mm-hmm. again. So she's going back to her, yes. her life as liberal. Yeah. You know, because when she's working for him, suddenly she's in the sleek dress suits and in the sleek skirt suits. It's, it's a huge company and stuff. And She's making a huge amount of money as well. But yes, and then at the very end, there's this marrying of things because she's back in just skirt and like blouse and like cardigan and stuff. But it's sleeker than it was in the beginning. You know, it's yeah. less boho and stuff like than in the beginning. But it's also got, it's also the past- pastel colors again rather than the grays of the suits and stuff. So I would agree that there is a lot of, of telling in the costuming for sure. Yes, not, which not, isn't not, yeah, not, not unusual, a bad thing. But yeah, yeah no, not a bad not, thing at all. Yeah. I think that's a, that's, that is also good filmmaking to, to be able to communicate yeah. that. It's just it's sort thoughtful. of. Yeah, it's just sort of a funny detail to me that part mm. of her character was headband. So yeah, we we meet her, we get to, to know her through that. And then we see her at home. So she mm-hmm. lives with her parents. This is the only Sandra Bullock character in these movies that has parents, that has any kind of family. That's true. That is a good point. Yeah. And like they're very involved parents, like so so involved that she very, just moved very back involved in with them. parents. Yeah. Very involved parents, overbearing mother. Again, I think a really well-drawn character. Like you understand so much about this character's motivations, how they've grown up, why they are the way they are. I do think that that's quite good. But yeah, yeah, she does seem to be living with with her parents. Yes. And so maybe, maybe not food. a trope, but yeah. Oh, yes. The sad single the lady. The Chinese sad single lady eating too much food. Like, <laughs> no, this is for one. You know? yeah. <laughs> Which Which I actually like. I like. I love the ending of that. No, this is for two. You know, I do <laughs> I like it. I don't know why I like it. Yes, eating is also one of her character traits. She's the nervous eater. She eats a lot when she gets stressed and anxious and stuff. Yes. Once again, yeah. we have sad single lady food. Yes. <laughs> and then you've got, and then you've got the again. Then you've got the career woman got it all together at work, personal life a mess kind of thing. There's something else that I think is actually rather interesting about her character. I don't think I'd call this a trope. I don't think it's prevalent enough to be called a trope. But I think that it's interesting because I've seen it appear more recently actually much more recently so she's there's something about her that's kind of something of the adorable Mm. adorable dorkiness kind of thing adorable awkwardness kind of stuff and it makes me think of how stuff like frozen's anna picks up that kind of thing that kind of stuff that's appeared in sitcom and things a little bit more recently as well it just i find that interesting because this is quite early i think for that trope yeah Uh, not not that it's trope I don't think it's a trope. Just <laughs> right, that but like kind of trait. That way of making a woman individual. <laughs> right. That, it's a Zoe Deschanel kind of thing. Yes, I always associate a, that with yes. like Zoe Deschanel. Adorable, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a way to make her vulnerable because we only see her yes, as I think it is as well. Yeah. Because she, she is so capable. Is the only way to give her some weakness in a way. Right. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Because, like you said, she's a polyglot. Mm. She went to prestigious mm. schools. She fights for the right things. Yeah. She fights for her community and she's like yeah. she's principled. Yes. And I think that, but I think that's interesting as well because she is so saintly with like her goals and she relies on that and uses it to hide her own feelings about things which again, I think is very good character work. There's a lot of depth to that idea. 
that this is one of the ways that she copes and hides and things in that way. So I, I think yeah. that's also interesting too. I, yeah. And they shoehorn something in a little bit later about her mother mm-hmm. and how her mother was overbearing and, and was like a reason that she was such a high achiever because her mother pushed her yes. so hard. The voice in be- her, the voice in her head kind of thing. Which Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. They walk a weird line with that one. The first time they lost me with this movie was mm-hmm. that turning point where Hugh Grant's character offers Lucy the job. And yeah, sure, it's an opportunity to save her community center, but mm-hmm. she's like, that's the only way. She, I just don't believe that this character would not explore any other alternatives because <laughs> she's, it's just funny to me that she seems like taking this job would be selling her soul, but she does it very quickly without too much protest. And then she seems to just, just slide effortlessly into this role of being a corporate shill? I'll slightly disagree, only in the sense that I do think there are some justifications for why she feels that it's the only choice. I agree it's quick, but I also think that there is the scene where she like overeats and she's obviously struggling with the idea of this. But again, equally, you know what I think? I think it would have been improved by something along the idea that she really needed to maybe not live in her parents' place anymore or something. Something like that would have been really good because it would have given her a personal reason to perhaps compromise slightly. But again, I also think that it's totally legitimate that she realises and stresses the fact that if she does do this, she'll be able to have so much more impact than just going out and trying to stop you know bulldozers right in front of them they do underline the fact that she has been unsuccessful doing it this way and that being behind some of the power and being able to proliferate the funds to places that need them and to charitable causes etc would give her amazing resources and and amazing impact i do think it would have been improved if if she had a reason like if you just saw even her just look briefly at a paper that has like new like a apartments for rent and just uh, look longingly but then be like uh, look away again that it could have been as simple as that yeah that would have given yeah. some context that it, it did it just yeah. felt like there was just something missing just like one stitch yeah. that sort of made it feel a yeah. little disjointed yeah and, and i do I, I, I agree and i did they needed to get to the two weeks notice part to the part yes. where she was so fed up with him relying on her that yes. she said i need to quit like i can't do this anymore this is like- I don't know maybe it's just because it was my expectation even when I first watched it because of it being about the I never found it jarring that you see that montage I always thought that it was rather an elegant way to show how <laughs> to show how she can't stand it anymore by the end you know yeah it was, it was all right but yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean like in the sense that it has to rush to get to the part where it's doing the thing, where it's doing the plot. It, yeah, you know, it where, it's, where it's being I the agree. rom-com part of it. because where it's, it's being, where it's being the rom-com, yeah. Yeah, it's only when you get to, and I guess here's another problem with it. So when she quits, she says, I will train my replacement. Mm-hmm. And she's interviewing all these candidates. And yes. I don't know if they're all women, if there's some men in there. And of course, Hugh Grant says, it it has to be a woman. And he does give a, a, a reason that I thought was kind of funny, because if it's a woman, it'll piss his brother off. I guess from that, you're supposed to get that maybe his brother's a bit sexist or something. I think that's kind of what he's pointing it out, because this is one of the other things which, again, I really do think deserves a little bit of highlighting, is that I don't think that George is a very typical rom-com male lead. Certainly not 
considering the position of power that he's in, because he he is effortlessly charming and stuff, but he also seems to be quite insightful and surprisingly thoughtful. So there's this bit where he goes to see his brother near very near the beginning, and he compliments the housekeeper. He knows her name. He talks about loving the difference that she's made to her hair. And he even tries to bring it up to his sister-in-law saying, don't you think you know, that her hair is lovely. And the woman is just like, I hadn't noticed. And then just orders her to go off and look after the kids or something. There are moments like that that I think just show you that he has a lot more in common with the character of Lucy at his bedrock. He cares about people and he wants good things for people. And and he is caring on this level that you don't really expect from someone who's lived in that much privilege. That's, yeah, you're right. That is very true. That was not something that I noticed because I was so busy paying attention mm. to some of the other yeah. things that were annoying me. But yeah. yeah, no, he he did. He made that actual genuine connection. Mm. I noticed on this rewatching that it was a thread that is obviously purposefully placed there. And again, I thought that it was interesting just because it does speak to this underlying commonality between them, which I suppose is why they're together at the end. Yeah. But yeah. So they're on the hunt to hire Lucy's replacement. And Alicia Witt comes in and uh, she just, she actually just pops up. She's like in a Harvard alumnus Mm -hmm. or something. And she just wants to connect with Lucy. And then George just sees her and is like, you, you're great. You're hired. And then the jealousy. He overheard, he overheard her quote and he liked the sound of the fact that she'd quoted that. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and and he liked that, yes, that that was the quote that Lucy had given to the paper from that article. So probably made him think that he'd have a lot in common there, probably made him think, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah, Maybe he was like looking for like a Lucy too. Like a Lucy replacement. Yeah. Yes. Like an actual. (laughs) I think that's the idea. A clone of the person. Because he didn't want to give any <laughs> hoping, of that up. Hoping, hoping <laughs> that, you know, she would have the same insights, the same opinions, and that obviously she had the same morals and whatever, etc. Yes, but they are two different people. And then Lucy, as a character, changes again all of a sudden. Yes. All of this jealousy and pettiness, mm. and she just doesn't deal with the mm. new hire very well at all. No. She is, she is yeah, immediately is, yeah. jealous of everything. This is the main, probably the, the main problem that I have, just because I don't think that it was necessary for them to go quite so hard on it as they do. No, no. Um, and to be honest, you know, when they have that, the thing with the tennis, you know, the tennis match where it gets yeah. like super competitive and everything, there is just this moment where she whacks it back and then she like gives such this like stare. And I'm just like, this just doesn't even seem like the Lucy character. Oh my goodness. I get the competitive thing. I, I think, you know, I think I see that in other facets, but it's just too much. It is too catty for her. That is the thing that brings the character down a little, just because everything else is so good and well-rounded. This really trivializes her character and, and makes her character seem a bit more 2D all of a sudden. There was something that you said earlier is that she is not good at like working with her emotions. She's not yeah, good, she's at not good her with emotions. her emotions. So she can't say how she's feels but she's very much mm-hmm. feeling how she feels and yes. she's she's not hiding it at all it's like no, it's it's on the surface yeah. she's acting out in a way that i just it would have been nicer less stereotypical less catty less all of these things if they had found some other way to show it and i think that's that's time yeah. lets us look at it differently i think then it, it, you know oh, yeah. we we weren't calling out the no. It was like is, women. Yeah. No, women don't get along. Women are catty. Women compete yes, with each yes. other. Yeah, 
it was it was a it was a predominant narrative at the, of the time and we have yes. to bear that in mind historically speaking that was that was like a real predominant narrative right. in it, cinema it's so, kind of lazy but it was acceptable storytelling yeah. Uh, yeah. but but out of out of mm-hmm. that tennis scene and some of that jealousy lucy yeah. gets stressed and when lucy gets stressed lucy eats lucy eats <laughs> So Lucy eats yes. uh, a little too much and has the yeah. most sudden onset of diarrhea that I've ever seen. I'm a little concerned for her. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Is it diarrhea or was it just that she really had to go? I couldn't tell. Like, I wasn't sure. The impression I used to have was that it was diarrhea, but I, I don't know. Whatever the case, she really has got to go. And she's in the car yes. with George. George is driving. And she's really starting to suffer. George just says, well, just if you really have to go, then just go, you know? And yeah. she's like, I'm not going to, what, what am I for? I'm not going to just go on the front seat of my car. Yeah. You'd, 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 I'd always be the girl who went in the front seat forever, for, after you knew me. And he was like, that would be hard to forget. He's so casual about it. There's something really pragmatic and casual and caring. And, and, and like caring, his, his yeah. Concern is, his concern is just for her. Then, of course, he sees an RV in this, traffic jam that they're stuck in so he leaps out he's like come on come on we're gonna make that is our goal we're gonna make a run for it you know and and she's all like no 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 but he's like come on come on let's let you know gotta help you out come on and he goes there and she falls down he he like heroically (laughs) hoists her up (laughs) i like that it's i think i like that that is a parody of damsel in distress in a way i like that kind of element and yeah, he get he gets into the RV. He and, uses his yeah, charm to charm these people into letting charm a to complete stranger you, use their loo. And yeah, it's bizarre, and it's on the verge of too gross out comedy for my liking generally. But I mean, I yeah. mean it's mild. It's, it's it, very mild gross out comedy. It really is. It is Com- a, certainly compared to everything else that was shortly to come out yeah. of the cinema. It's, it's never explicit. This is it's never explicit. It's never explicit. No, it's literally just a just you know her going. Ooh, and yeah and, you know and 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 then her going oh from behind yeah, the door so, so you know right. that's it that's it yeah uh, but uh, that's kind of where the american pie it's sort of like the beginning mm. of the raunch com yeah yeah what well, yeah what i call the gro- the like the gross out comedy stuff yeah. the stuff that came with stuff like there's something think, about oh, mary there's something about mary that's it yeah yes. Yeah, I hate that film. <laughs> I really don't like that film. It's awful, in my opinion. But yeah, that's another thing. So yeah, that was the start of, of those things. Yes. So there's it, like it, a there's like a tiny taste of it in this, but it's it's nowhere near what I would categorize as gross out film. It's just it's way better yeah. than that. And I which, just which also like it's, it's it's a funny moment. It does show mm-hmm. like that their level of comfort with each other because yes, he's like, yes. yeah, that's fine. I'll just sit with. You know, you covered in your own feces for the entire rest of this car ride. There is something as well in, in like what you said, their comfort with each other, like physical comfort with each other. I think that's like a bit of a thing throughout as well, you know, bouncing on the bed next to each other. She kind of like passes out in his arms at one point, you know. Oh, yeah. um, Obviously, the, you know, moving stuff between their plates and all that kind of thing. When they eat cake, she reaches over casually and brushes a bit of his mouth. It's, It's so intimate the way that they are with each other that I really do think is lovely and it really does speak to that base of like familiarity that they have but yeah this was just another case of that and I think it was I think it was an interesting one yeah yeah didn't really fit with the rest of the movie yes I've always thought that that felt a little bit out of pace slightly yeah. 
the rest. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree. If I could lift any part out of it, it would be the tennis game followed by that. I would just, yep, yank it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. None of that really needs to be there. Um, it does. Yeah, so, so we get yeah. towards the resolution of the movie. There is mm-hmm. this big mm-hmm. charity gala that's sort of like the last event yep. that Lucy will attend. Yep. And George has always made some comments about the way that Lucy dresses, but she shows mm-hmm. up in this like stunning ball gown. <laughs> she looks like an Audrey Hepburn lookalike. Like she's she's oh yes, stunning. She is stunning. Not that Sandra Bullock isn't always beautiful, but the, just the mm. way that she's she's done up is uh, glamour and fashion and and very glamour. Yes. yes, I think that's maybe like the first time that he really realizes how he feels mm. about her because he's sort of like I think it they, could be they like catch eyes like across across the yeah. ballroom. Yeah, it is sweet. I think he's a lot more emotionally mature than she is in some ways. That's again, one of the interesting things about the dynamic between them. It's been just rumbling underneath the surface. You kind of knew like on the helicopter, I think. But when he sees her, it's a real bam moment. They have this lovely moment together. And of course, Sandra Bullock Mm -hmm. ruins it a little bit because she does that Mm -hmm. like he's offering what she wants or more closeness and she's like oh no no it's a no no i'm i don't care it's fine you two go you do you two have fun it's a rom-com trope the like i'm not going to admit yet that i i can't admit yet that i have yeah. feelings for you so i'm just gonna like it doesn't bother yeah. me at all but again like he is so much more emotionally mature he's like you know he tries to go to her like let me remind you, you know, I was with June. We were, we were unusually dressed. You know, you must have some feelings. <laughs> you must have some feelings about this. You know, he's trying yeah. to draw it out of her. And then there's the very end scene, the big dramatic reveals yes. in the last scene. And there is um, something that it, this is not the only Sandra Bullock movie where this occurs. He physically shuts her mouth when she tries to protest. Yes. He physically shuts it. Yes. Which I don't yeah. love or like. No, I, I watch that and it's like, it plays way too much into women talk too much. Women should be silenced. You know, I know it's not what he means. I know it's not how it's meant. It doesn't no, matter though. It it's, doesn't matter. It's still, it's, it doesn't really matter. It's still a really bad choice that I don't understand why it was there why was it there like what was neat why was that needed it wasn't needed it was not needed it was not needed it was not needed at all i guess that's i think it's like the they're having her either have diarrhea in the car or shit in an rv like it brings her down a peg because i guess that's what what you have to do with women is you have to bring them down quote unquote have to do with women you have to bring them down a peg i like that way of, of sort of get it. It's like he has to have the upper hand at that moment because she's run back to him almost. So yeah, I just, I don't like it. I don't like that it ends on that note. I will say that that is definitely something I do not enjoy watching now. But I will say they didn't end it on a wedding. So they just so, left that ambiguous. Like that's not the most important part of their relationship, whether no, they're married or not. It's just it's, that No, like, it's that they become romantic rather than, yeah. I do like that in a way because I like that little bit more realism to it. You know, not going to, not seeing a wedding, you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Not having like a jump forward in time where you see the wedding. Yeah. And just a, like, and then it says they lived happily ever after, but this says they got together. And you this know, says these, they got together. Yeah, you know, these two, it's not going to be smooth sailing, yeah. but maybe they'll work towards it. Yeah. So, you know what? So Through this discussion, I like it a little bit more than I did oh, before I'm we discussed glad. it. 
I'm kind of glad. Was it was it me talking about George's good points that helped? I think so. I think so. Because yeah. Hugh Grant is, he's Hugh Grant. He was sort of playing himself in this role. I think this is closer to who he really is because he is very deadpan and witty. Yeah. Kind of I, I think it's the deadpan. So it is a lot closer to that. It's, it's yeah. so funny. <laughs> he, it is really good. Well, I guess good. it's that he never really had an emotional reaction to anything. Where Lucy seemed it's more really funny, more reactionary to things, so yeah. you and you spent more time with her on screen too. You did, you did. It is like more her story uh. than his. So yeah, I'd say yeah, yeah. But yeah, that is two weeks' notice. I am glad yeah. that I that I improved it a bit. But I <laughs> I would. Uh, but for my, my part, I would say that the proposal is. By far the worst of this trio <laughs> for me. I, um, I consider this an outright crash landing after the first two. I, I am like, not going to argue going into this. <laughs> that was the only one I'd seen. And I disliked yeah. this movie when I first saw it so intensely. Yeah. It made me so yeah. upset. Um, yeah. And it, it's I mean, still- I think it's upsetting, you know, because it has such good ingredients. It has Sandra Bullock and it has Ryan Reynolds. Why is it so bad? Right. Like, and they, you know. they do. They have really good chemistry. They They're have, really they fun have a, they to have, watch. Oh, yeah. They have amazing chemistry. Yeah. And I wouldn't have called it, but it's there and it's amazing. It's really good. From yes. about halfway through, the film almost becomes watchable to me in some way just because of the chemistry alone. But oh, my God. This is such a. Th- okay. This is such yeah. a film. Okay. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's, in terms it's so of bad summary, so time, summary time. Summary time. The proposal stars Sandra Bullock as Margaret editor and ice queen of a publishing company. Her long-suffering assistant, Ryan Reynolds, a.k.a. Andrew, has been bending over backwards in the hope of getting a promotion to editor for the last three years. When Margaret is threatened with deportation back to Canada, she blackmails Andrew to agree to a green card marriage and to pretend to be engaged to her at his upcoming family gathering in Alaska. While in Alaska, both have second thoughts about this plan and their tempestuous relationship becomes much, much warmer. So that is what the proposal is doing. Um, and it does it very badly. It does. It's, the, it's totally it does. contrived. It's outright offensive to me and entirely out of touch. Honestly, it feels like it was written a decade or maybe even two decades earlier than 2009, which is when it came out. I would totally agree. So we start the movie getting a glimpse of who Margaret is Mm -hmm. as a character. She is riding her stationary bike. She's spinning Mm -hmm. in her big rich lady single apartment, which is different than a high powered sad single apartment. Oh, Um, yes. It's all about, it's all about, it's all down to business. It's all, I do my exercise. I'm regimented. It's basically Meryl Streep, Devil Wears Prada, but in a publishing house. That's basically what it is. Yeah. But here's the thing about that. Like, we never see her act like a total bitch. What we hear is Ryan Reynolds' character telling us that she is a total bitch. So the next Mm. scene is him rushing to get her coffee. And he's got two coffees, two the exact same coffees, in case he spills one. Because apparently she's so mean that she would erupt on him were he to spill her coffee. And it's a good thing because he does spill one of those coffees all over his shirt. So he has the coffee ready for her. The second she appears at the office, one of the, there's an instant message that floods around the office, which is, it's here. So they literally call her it. Yeah. It's here. And then when Ryan Reynolds is trying to warn the rest of the group outside again, he sa- he writes in all caps, the witch is on her broom, meaning she's, she's, she's on the like, move through yes. the office. Yeah. This is extremely troubling because like you say, you don't ever see her 
actually, but you see her maybe behave a bit ruthlessly. She fires someone, but oh, as she man. lays out, as she lays out, he is lazy, entitled, and didn't do the job. Exactly. She fires someone for not doing their job. That is a reason yeah. to fire someone. That absolutely is. And then that employee, the one who got fired, comes out of his office and unleashes to to, on yeah. her. But apparently yeah. it makes her look bad, even yeah. though he is the one who didn't he's do the his one job. Who is, he's the one who is now yelling at uh, at you know, at his superior making a huge deal it's it is truly atrocious like okay maybe she's a little bit unfeeling or, or like has a has an air of seeming unfeeling or being cool and professional or something but yeah if she was a guy this would not be considered being a bitch this would just no. be considered being a straight talking serious guy right and that would be fine right he that gets stuff fine. done fine yeah. Oh, he gets stuff done. Exactly, because she gets something done in the morning, which the other guy couldn't. Hence, she fires him. And right. no, that's because she's a bitch. It's not because she gets stuff done. Right. You know? Or, or it's not because he's completely incompetent. It's so infuriating. Yeah. It's, yes. Really which is, infuriating. Which Makes is me so angry. <laughs> me too. Which is something that, like, on watching it again, I was like, oh, mm. wow. Like, I, yeah. I, you just take it for granted that yeah. she is a bitch. I guess if you've, like, seen yeah. the trailer and you're going, yeah. you've read the synopsis and you're going into the movie and you just take it for granted that she is who they say she is. But exactly. Never see who she no, is until later they in the tell movie. you they tell you who she is maybe this would all be made okay if they just expressed that in some form or other if they even just had ryan reynolds saying you know you've always been really focused on work and everything but you've always been a, a good person you've you know you've not actually been the bitch that everyone says you are or something like this but yeah. no he explicitly says he is one the of one. these things he, makes, he is the one he's the one who's saying oh she's the worst she is you know she's awful she's a bitch she's terrible she's made my yeah. life hell etc blah 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 <laughs> yes and he's telling his family this too he is putting oh, this yeah. in their heads that she is mm -hmm. just an an awful person mm -hmm. so much so that they even remark upon it uh, i mean betty white betty white remarks upon it and she's amazing mm -hmm. delivering yes. lines like so good. that cutting so lines good. with that you know that just like i'm just i'm just spilling absolute the truth. absolute gem as yes, always wonderful amazing to watch it, that was yes. fun to watch especially since we lost her last year or the yes. year before um so sad so sad but yes that he's putting it in these people's heads so they mm -hmm. don't even formulate their own opinion of her they're just working no. off of his and opinion. as a viewer you don't either again if you were just watching this without any thought you just believe that she is a terrible character who somehow reforms she never reforms right. you just get to know her character that's right. all that happens in this film yeah. you get to understand the character you just get to know this character yeah that's all that happens yeah that is it and that's totally at odds and makes no sense with the whole idea that because he's been her assistant he knows everything about her well he clearly freaking doesn't does he he right. doesn't know anything about her as who she is. He might know some fact, but yeah. that doesn't seem to equate to any understanding. <laughs> no, no. And he's never wanted to understand her. He's been using no. her just as much as oh, like she's yes. quote unquote been mistreating him. Yeah, totally. It's so it's so true. And, also, and I, this is just I, a yeah. messy film. This is a messy, messy <laughs> film. It's, yeah. I will say that it's it's so messy that it took until this watching, like I think I've watched it maybe two times before this. 
time that I had to watch it. Both of those times, I did not understand that the manuscript that he was trying to get her to read and like actually put forward was one that he had just read and reviewed and thought was really good. Both of those times, I thought that he'd written it. Both of those times, I thought that it was something that he had written and he wanted to be published. I did not understand that he purely wanted to be an editor. So annoying. All of these things are just so glossed over and it's ridiculous that anyone would agree to do this, especially once it's laid out how much prison time he could get. Yes, exactly. Immediately after the firing, she's called into the supervisor's mm-hmm. office and whatever yes. the, the heads of the, the firm and they tell her that her her work visa has been mm-hmm. is expired or whatever. So she Yeah, it's been rev- it's gonna be revoked. <laughs> yeah. Which also <laughs> I'm, I'm revoked. not I'm not really sure that that's the way that works, but who cares? But yes, yeah, so yeah. sloppy that she mm-hmm. literally just looks at him and goes, I'm gonna marry him. Yeah, I did notice one thing on this watch, which was that he's like trying to deliver a message to her that that he really tried to tell this person on the phone that she was otherwise engaged and that she couldn't come engaged. And that's literally what makes her stand there and stare at him for a minute thinking engaged, Ryan Reynolds, engaged, Ryan Reynolds, oh, green card. Uh, I'm marrying him, that this is what's going to happen. And he just goes along with this. And there is suspension of belief and there is suspension of belief. This film does not set anything up enough to make it any way believable. Again, it feels so much older. Like, I genuinely think that this was a script that was written about 10 years earlier and lost in someone's cupboard or they couldn't get... (laughs) anyone to read it or agree to it and suddenly Sandra Bullock came along and she loved the idea and uh, and or, and well and then, and then they made it well and then they made it <laughs> and it's just it does not feel like 2009 there, there are some things that I really aside from obviously the fact that she is not in any way a terrible person and yet they make her out to be just because she's a woman and doing her job yeah. aside from that there is the casual joking around to do with uh, sexual assault that seems to happen a lot literally just like the number of times jokingly because of dramatic irony he like pats her bum as if that was totally fine like uh, granted this is like a ruse but then there's the guy there's like the striptease guy none of that is anything that she wants and it's just played for laughs and it's just basic and not funny yeah i mean there's yeah, there's a lot there. It's like a little bit of body shaming. Like, yeah. oh, the not hot stripper. Funny. Yeah. There is. Yeah, you're right. There is body shaming. There. And what does it mean that it's, you know, a person of color? What does it mean that it's, right. you know, and all these different things. There's just like all of the kind of ways that, you know, he is an outlier and thereby he's funny. I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's icky for so many reasons there. But, yeah. No, it's not great. And that that he just keeps popping up and hits on her and makes her All the time. Makes her really uncomfortable all the time. Yes. Because no one likes to be treated like an object. No, they don't. (laughs) So, yeah. I think that there are some real problems with this. The only nice thing I can say about this film is just that, you know, the chemistry is pretty good between them as leads. Although, again, you can't even overlook that in the beginning of the film. And for quite a while in the film, even just because of these other things and how terrible the plot is and how this makes no sense. There are some elements like the technology element that they use, you know, they use mobiles and stuff, some self-aware hints of humor 
and and dramatic irony and stuff that make it feel a make it feel maybe a bit like it's late 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 noughties. But then these other you know all the blackmailing, you know the sexual harassment jokes. It's just so dated and so all the strange. toxic masculinity. Like toxic masculinity oh, is God, actually yes. a plot point in this. It's like oh, the yeah. the dad of uh, yes. the Ryan Reynolds character is. Uh, I mean, who, I think who who doesn't understand that books are good. I just don't. Yeah. I don't understand. They're telling the story of their engagement, and the oh, Margaret character yes. says, and then he wept like a little girl. I think she says something like, "Such sweet, sweet sobs." And he's obviously sat there thinking, yep, no, don't want this to be part of the story. You know, it's just such, it's such basic, basic gendered humor. It's like really. Yeah. All of it is, is, it's hard to watch. You know what else I find really jarring is the randomness of like, okay, yes, Betty White is amazing and she is hilarious. And obviously we miss her terribly because of that. But it is pretty jarring when she's just, dancing around a fire and giving thanks and stuff and somehow margaret gets into this i i just i find it extremely weird it's an excuse to try and make it look like she's loosening up and like she's changing no you're just learning about this person and what she is capable of and how she might act in certain situations it's just like the rv thing from two weeks notice it just lifts right out it doesn't make any sense it, yeah it, it benefits nothing in this film it is so dumb feels like a stab at a a cheap laugh somehow there's just so much wrong with this film that is it's almost the hardest one for me to talk about (laughs) because usually it's harder to talk about something that you like than to pick holes in something that you don't but in this case it's like there's too much i can't even see the forest for the trees (laughs) when it comes to this film you know it's just it is difficult and again, Sandra Bullock, I, I do love you, Sandra Bullock. I just don't understand this film and I don't understand why you made it. <laughs> no, I, I don't either. There was a... Uh, there, so many opinions. <laughs> see, see, no one likes this film, not even the dog. You know? No, Nobody the dog really does. doesn't like it. There was a writer's strike around this time. So I'm wondering, was it maybe ah. sort of like a victim of that in some way where like it didn't get the rewrites? Yes, the it, two, I, around 2007, 6, 2006, 2007, right? Somewhere yes. in there, yeah. Yeah. So it like could just, be to do with that, I guess. Maybe. And then there just weren't. We needed a film. We needed a film to release right now. And it's like, but we don't have one because no one would write one. Oh, what do we have on this old dusty shelf? (laughs) The proposal. Yeah, this uh, uh, seems (laughs) fine. Again, again, just imagine what would happen if the genders were swapped for this film. Well, I mean, it's just. Just imagine that. It's already sexual harassment, but it's even more sexual harassment. Just, it's more coercive. It just highlights how bad it is the way it is when you think of how you would feel if you flipped it. And then you think, yeah. but the exact same thing is happening. It's just that the genders are flipped. Oh my gosh. It makes you realize that flipping the genders doesn't do anything. This is terrible harassment and blackmail and it's awful. <laughs> right. And it's awful. But somehow she's like still, she's not bad in the way that they're telling us she's bad. It's never pointed out how, this is sexual harassment. Like the Ryan Reynolds character no, never says this is sexual harassment. They never harassment. do. Like, again, this is the thing where it feels to me like it doesn't come anywhere close to fourth wave. Because if this was the premise for a film and it was a proper fourth wave feminist film, then 
he would just point out that it's harassment. He'd point out the, like the horrificness of this situation. Um, <laughs> and maybe she would have even pointed out that like you, you've labeled me as this dragon lady. Yes. And there'd and be like, there'd be this kind of back and forth and, and it would make you go, Oh, and then, as you negotiate it, because that could even be used as her rationalization, maybe, for trying to make him agree to this blackmail, perhaps, I guess. Like, right. yeah, you know, like, like there could be some kind of interplay here that would be more complex and n- not right by any means, but, but at least it, it wouldn't make you just sit there going, huh? Like, <laughs> am I really watching this? Yeah. <laughs> and again, <sighs> despite how dated it is, it's on the TV all the time and everything, and this is the thing. It's not old enough to be considered something historic. There should be a I'm disclaimer doing. on it, like they do with yes. uh, like the, the old TCM movies, like Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. But like you said, it's not historic enough, maybe, for that, of like, no, well, it was a different... No. I mean, those disclaimers are basically like, well, it was a different time, and instead mm. of censoring it, we're going to show you mm. the byproduct of these outdated belief systems and attitudes. But yeah, this mm. movie, they're just leaning right into it. I'd love to just like slap a big disclaimer at the beginning of this saying, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like feminists beware, run away. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And just every just everybody just run away. Yeah. So let's talk about the ending of this movie because okay. um, once again, we have a character physically shutting Sandra Bullock's mouth. As she is trying to speak. No, sorry. He tells her to shut up. He tells her to shut her mouth. That's right. Yes, that's right. That, I made a note of this because when I watched it, I uh, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, this is really frustrating because he comes and he literally just yells, shut up, Margaret, like that. Again, it's this idea of, no, I've got to cut you down. Right. Because why but i don't know why but again well i, I mean really he's got this like... whole you know toxic masculinity thing like he he mm. can't just be subservient to this woman he can't be like the lesser to this woman he has to be like her equal or greater so one way to to cut her down is mm. to stop her from speaking if she can't even speak yeah. then he can be the one in control of the situation because even at the beginning when he's like bending over backwards and everything as her assistant and running around all after her just the sort of the attitude of his general like snipey under under like muttering under his breath sarcasm really does dilute her power in any of these scenes like he is that he has the power in all of these scenes for right. the viewer you know which and is that why she in any of the scenes that we do see them mm-hmm. interact that she is a little snippy towards him because she's not comfortable enough to like call him out on it because at that point yeah. if you called people out on that kind of thing oh you're being a buzzkill yeah. or you you know you can't take yeah. a joke or oh you can't yeah. take it then how can you be in this position of power mm-hmm. so she's just mm-hmm. taking it yeah the thing that shocks me about this in some ways is that it doesn't even do any half steps like it doesn't even lampshade issues in it really it doesn't even do a sort of well that was sexual harassment kind of like it doesn't even just go huh that's and then move on you know it doesn't even no. lampshade it in a way that again would be extremely problematic and wouldn't make me feel happy in any way but at least it would have mentioned something or something right. like it doesn't even do that which makes it seem so much more just not early 90s maybe in 80s it's just so weird and so strange 
<laughs> I guess it's like the end of an era kind of thing, which I mean, I guess is kind of good that we chose it for this is that it sort of closes out like this chapter of rom-coms when they were sort of on the decline. And, mm. you know, we had movies like Bridesmaids that came out not that long oh, after gosh, this that yeah, are that are trying yeah. to like, you know, like we're done with the rom-com. So we're going to do something different yes. with it. Like the genre yes, is getting tired. Basically, I think what happened was there were so many of these male-centered and extremely gross comedy type things. And I think Bridesmaids was the reaction to that because yes. it was like, okay, women can be gross too. <laughs> like we could do a comedy that's just about grossness as well. We could do that. So yeah. So then there were a few things that kind of decided to go that more that way with it. But there is a little resurgence of rom-coms occurring at the moment. Again, I haven't watched enough of them. Most of them are kind of like coming through streaming services and stuff. Most of them are not really getting cinema releases. Mm -hmm. And of course, we have recently seen the very first gay rom-com as right. well with bros. Yeah, it didn't do that well which at didn't the box do that office. Well, which I'm, and it, I'm very sad about. I, I don't I even know that it got great it reviews so though either. I don't know. I read quite a good review, but again, I was just trying to, I was just trying to try and choose for myself, but it stayed so short in the cinema that oh, I just didn't even get to see it before it yeah. left. And I was bummed out by that. I really wanted to see it. I think there's a lot to say about like the way movies are distributed and why mm. comedy fell out of favor. Yes. And basically it just has to do like you, you can't export a sense of humor as well as you can export like an action mm. movie or yes. a big IP where there's big battles where there's not that much dialogue. It is now the battle of the IP and that does dominate when it comes to making films to, to a large degree. When it comes to movies, I'd say comedy is becoming much more niche, much more almost indie styly in the sense yeah. that it tends to target just America or just the UK. It seems like they have much less ambition when it comes to those releases and they're much more tactical with how they're releasing things. I personally would like to see more time and energy spent on trying to find a way to get that magic that was the rom-com and updated in a way that allows it to still feel fresh. There was one that I there was one that I quite liked that was that was I just thought of a couple of more of the like period where things were breaking down. I think it's called the five year engagement. Emily Blunt stars in that. That one was quite good. It was a bit real in the sense that there is like there is like depre there was like obvious depression and stuff that occurs <laughs> for one of the characters at one point and stuff. And it was a bit yeah. And there is like a significant separation as well in things, but in but there was a good depth and drawing out of character and a proper use of the actual challenges that couples face, like relocating and what that means for the partner and that kind of type of stuff. It was really quite well explored. So that's what I can think of that was that I kind of liked and that was kind of good. So another it, one that I so can it think is of possible. I, it's showing that, that it is, is possible. Possible. Still. Yeah, that was and that one was around the same time that this came out. Pretty sure five-year engagement was around at the time the proposal came out. So just goes to show you that it was not the Even it was not the it was not like the forefront of what rom-com was doing at that moment. It was such a throwback. Well, and I, I will say though that I, I think it yes and no. There were mm -hmm. I'm thinking of like a, a like a just a glut of other movies around this time. I think there were like three with Catherine Heigl. 
because that's sort of her oh, character right, yeah. where she's 20, playing 27 27 dresses um, um there's one where she's with gerard butler i don't remember oh, the name of it but like she's sort of the same which it's, one it's like an yeah. it's this really high-powered woman who has to be it's a taming mm. of the shrew it's a high-powered mm. woman who has to be taken down a bit by a man there was one with reese witherspoon i think that one was sweet home alabama i think it was like a sweet home alabama yeah that's, that's similar a, uh, high-powered career-ish and stuff but goes back home to you know down south and stuff and, yeah uh, and uh i mean it's got that one's got a few interesting things in the sense that you know it this is a character that she's this is a, a previous spouse actually like she's technically still married to this guy that was her high school sweetheart and and she kind of rediscovers herself while she's back there and becomes more mellow when this kind of medium person like not the south person that she was as a teen not the uptight like new yorker that she had become somewhere in the middle yeah but it's just yeah it's there wasn't anything there were some things that were decent serviceable i guess yeah as rom-coms i (laughs) guess like serviceable but and some of these things that really do go along the old roots something like for instance also a christmas film the holiday take that for instance kate winslet really good in that jack black really good in that jude law good in that but that doesn't really shy away from the cliches that much, but it is quite, I wouldn't say it's like a sophisticated telling because there's multiple stories. So I think that kind of cuts screen time a lot, but it was very successful doing what it was doing. That was 2005, I want to say. There were, there is st- There has still been an appetite for it, but I think the studios have really turned away from it. I think that's one of the key things. I think if money was put behind it and some experimentation was done i think that they could come back in a big way because as mama mia and films like that show there is money in this there is money in this kind of film it is not low value it is not low cultural value it is you know it is something that women like to interact with it is something that that they enjoy i know guys who enjoy them it's like it's not it's it's just ridiculous to devalue them in the way that they get devalued really it it absolutely is and i yeah, I not everyone wants to see things explode as you yeah. know as popular as the Marvel movies are, and just IPs like that because IPs are usually action type franchises. It is nice to have something that's a little bit more character based, that's a mm. little quieter to watch in a theater. Yeah, um, something that's more performance based to let some of yeah. you know these these really talented but, but people something, shine, but not. But not something that's really dramatic, not something that's going to make you cry, not something right. that's historical. It's just... Yeah, like a fun, yeah. just a fun movie. A movie that you're like, yeah. oh, that was great. And you maybe talk about it for a couple minutes and then you go have dinner. Yeah, exactly. It's, you had a you good know, time it's... in the theater and you might think about it once or twice somewhere down the road. But yeah, not something that you are like or if you're or if, you, or... <laughs> or if you're like me, you might then write a thesis on it some, some, sometime, you know? It's just... <laughs> <laughs> you don't necessarily have to just casually go to dinner and not think about it again. You might think about it way too much, like I do. But right. yeah, you might. But I, I think there is something to be said for having a movie that like is is just enjoyable totally. while you're watching it and doesn't require yes. much of you beyond that. And and, and doesn't yeah, it doesn't require you to know all the lore and all of the things that happen in the different variations of that universe, for instance. Perhaps, right. For instance, yes, yeah. so, so something that you don't have to something that you can watch that you didn't have to read the book first. 
for instance, because again, everything is about IP. So, you know, the number of things that aren't adaptations is pr- pretty small. Something where you don't have those expectations going in, because that's the thing too, when they yeah. make your favorite book into a movie and you're like, yes. oh, well, they didn't do this and this. Like they didn't take that part of the book that I love the most and yeah. put it on the screen just oh, to be able to, just yeah. to be able to like watch a movie, get, understand what's going on, just a pop just, in, a pop yeah. in. It's a pop in. Lucy, thank you so much for being here again. Thank you so much for hate watching some of these movies again with me. Uh, well, two two out of three were love watches for me, so I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. And then I just got to get really, really angry at one of them, which is also fun. So, <laughs> kind of fun. I do wish it didn't exist, but yeah. right, I, I, you wish that you weren't enraged, but yet you. Had I wish fun. I wasn't enraged. You had was fun, fun being enraged. It was fun. this was fun thank you so much again as always it's a pleasure please tell everyone where they can find you sure on instagram that would be lucy underscore rivers underscore pgr linkedin it would be linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash lucy rivers and on twitter it's lucy r-i-p-h-d amazing if you want to support the spinster life listen up rate and review us on apple podcasts or sign up for the Substack newsletter, spinsterlife.substack.com. Or follow us on Instagram at Living the Spinster Life. I'm also on YouTube. The channel handle is The Spinster Life. Thanks for listening. <laughs>